welcome to Blessed Hope Podcast. This is a media outreach by Blessed Hope Bible Presbyterian Church. Today we'll be reading A Body of Divinity by Thomas Watson, published by the Banner of Truth Trust. Part 2. God and His Creation The Being of God Question 3. What do the scriptures principally teach? Answer. The scriptures principally teach what man is to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of men. Question 4. What is God? Answer. God is a spirit, infinite, eternal and unchangeable in his being. Wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness and truth. Here is 1. Something implied that there is a God. 2. Expressed that he is a spirit. 3. What kind of spirit? 1. Implied that there is a God. The question, what is God, takes for granted that there is a God. The belief of God's essence is the foundation of all religious worship. Hebrews 11.6 He that comes to God must believe that he is. There must be a first cause which gives being to all things besides. We know that there is a God. By the book of nature, the notion of a deity is engraven on man's heart. It is demonstrable by the light of nature. I think it's hard for a man to be a natural atheist. He may wish there were no God. He may dispute against a deity, but he cannot, in his judgment, believe there is no God. Unless, by accumulated sin, his conscience be seared, and he has such a lethargy upon him, that he has sinned away his very sense and reason. We know that there is a God by his works, and this is so evident a demonstration of a Godhead that the most atheistical spirits, when they have considered these works, have been forced to acknowledge some wise and supreme maker of these things, as is reported of Galen and others. We'll begin with the creation of the glorious fabric of heaven and earth. Sure, there must be some architect of first cause. The world could not make itself. Who could hang the earth on nothing but the great God who could provide such rich furniture for the heavens? The glorious constellations, the firmament bespangled with such glittering lights. We see God's glory blazing in the sun, twinkling in the stars. Who could give the earth its clothing, cover it with grass and corn, adorn it with flowers, enrich it with gold? God only. Job 38 verse 4 Who but God could make the sweet music in the heavens, cause the angels to join in concert, and sound forth the praises of their maker? Job 38 verse 7 The morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. If a man should go into a far country and see stately edifices there, he would never imagine that these built themselves, but that some greater power had built them. To imagine that the work of the creation was not framed by God is as if we should conceive a curious landscape to be drawn by a pencil without the hand of an artist. Acts 17 verse 24 God that made the world and all things therein. 
to create is proper to the deity. The wise government of all things evinces there is a God. God is the great superintendent of the world. He holds the golden reins of government in his hand, guiding all things most regularly and harmoniously to their proper end. Who that eyes providence but must be forced to acknowledge there is a God? Providence is the queen and governess of the world. It is the hand that turns the wheel of the whole creation. It sets the sun its race, the sea its bounds. If God did not guide the world, things would run into disorder and confusion. When one looks on a clock and sees the motion of the wheels, the striking of the hammer, the hanging of the plummets, he would say, some artificer made it. So, when we see the excellent order and harmony in the universe, the sun, that great luminary, dispensing its light and heat to the world, without which the world were but a grave or prison the rivers sending forth their silver streams to refresh the bodies of men and prevent a drought, and every creature acting within its sphere and keeping its due bounds. We must needs acknowledge there is a God who wisely orders and governs all these things, who could set this great army of the creatures in their several ranks and squadrons and keep them in their constant march, but he, whose name is the Lord of hosts, and as God does wisely dispose all things in the whole regiment of the creatures, so by his power he supports them. Did God suspend and withdraw his influence ever so little, the wheels of the creation would unpin and the exile tree break asunder. All motion, the philosophers say, is from something that is unmovable. As for example, the elements are moved by the influence and motion of the heavenly bodies. The sun and moon and these planets are moved by the highest orb called primum mobile. Now, if one should ask who moves that highest orb or is the first mover of the planets, it can be no other than God himself. Man is a microcosm or lesser world. The excellent contexture and frame of his body is wrought curiously as with needlework. Psalm 139 verse 15 I was curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. This body is endowed with a noble soul. Who but God could make such a union of different substances as flesh and spirit? In him we live and move and have our being. The quick motion of every part of the body shows there is a God. We may see something of him in the sparkling of the eye, and if the cabinet of the body be so curiously wrought, what is the jewel? The soul has a celestial brightness in it. As the Masson says, it is a diamond set in a ring of clay. What noble faculties is the soul endowed with? Understanding, will, affections are a glass of the Trinity, as Plato speaks. The matter of the soul is spiritual. It is a divine spark lighted from heaven, and being spiritual is immortal, as Scaliger notes. The soul does not wax old, it lives forever. Who could create a soul ennobled with such rare angelic properties but God? We must need say as the psalmist, it is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. Psalm 100 verse 3 We may prove a deity by our conscience. Conscience is God's deputy or vicegerent. Conscience is a witness of a deity.
If there were no Bible to tell us that there is a God, yet conscience might. Conscience, as the apostle says, either accuseth or excuseth. Romans two fifteen. It acts in order to a higher judicatory. Natural conscience, being kept free from gross sin, excuses. When a man does virtuous actions, lives soberly and righteously, observes the golden maxim, doing to others as he would have them do to him, then conscience approves and says, "Well done." Like a bee, it gives honey. Natural conscience in the wicked accuses. When men go against its light, they feel the worm of conscience. Alas, what scorpion lurks within? Seneca. Conscience, being sinned against, spits fire in men's faces, fills them with shame and horror. When the sinner sees a handwriting on the wall of conscience, his countenance is changed. Many have hanged themselves to quiet their conscience. Tiberius, the emperor, a bloody man, felt the lashes of his conscience. He was so haunted with that fury that he told the senate he suffered death daily. What could put a man's conscience into such an agony but the impression of a deity and the thoughts of coming before his tribunal? Those who are above human laws are subject to the checks of their own conscience. And it is observable, the nearer the wicked approach to death, the more they are terrified. Whence is this but from the apprehension of judgment approaching? The soul, being sensible of its immortal nature, trembles at him who never ceases to live, and therefore will never cease to punish. That there is a God appears by the consent of nations, by the universal vote and suffrage of all men. No nation so barbarous, says Tully, as not to believe there is a God. Though the heathen did not worship the true God, yet they worshipped a God. They set up an altar to the unknown God, Acts 17.23. They knew a God should be worshipped, though they knew not the God whom they ought to worship. Some worshipped Jupiter, some Neptune, some Mars. Rather than not worship something, they would worship anything. That there is a God appears by his prediction of future things. He who can foretell things which shall surely come to pass is the true God. God foretold that a virgin should conceive. He prefixed the time when the Messiah should be cut off. Daniel 9.26 He foretold the captivity of the Jews in Babylon and who should be their deliverer. Isaiah 45 verse 1 God himself uses this argument to prove he is the true God and that all the gods of the heathens are fictions and nullities. Isaiah 41 verse 23 Tertullian To foretell things contingent which depend upon no natural causes is peculiar to deity. That there is a God appears by his unlimited power and sovereignty. He who can work and none can hinder is the true God. But God can do so. Isaiah 43 verse 13 I will work and who shall let it? Nothing can hinder action but some superior power. But there is no power above God. All power that is, is by him. Therefore, all power is under him. He has a mighty arm. Psalm 89 verse 13.
he sees the designs men drive at against him and plucks off their chariot wheels. He makes the diviners mad. Isaiah 44 verse 25 He cuteth off the spirit of princes. He breadleth the sea, gives check to the Leviathan, binds the devil in chains. He acts according to his pleasure. He doth what he will. I will work, and who shall let it? There are devils, therefore, there is a God. Atheists cannot deny, but there are devils, and then they must grant there is a God. We read of many possessed of the devil. The devils are called in scripture hairy ones, because they often appeared in the form of goats or satyrs. Gerson, in his book, tells us how Satan on the time appeared to a holy man in a most glorious manner, professing himself to be Christ. The old man answered, I desire not to see my Saviour here in this desert. It shall suffice me to see him in heaven. Now, if there be a devil, there is a God. Socrates, a hidden, when accused at his death, confessed that as he thought there was an evil spirit, so he thought there was a good spirit. Seeing there is a God, it reproves such atheistical fools as deny it. Epicurus denied there was a providence, saying that all things fare out by chance. He that says there is no God is the wickedest creature that is. He is worse than a thief, for he takes away our goods, but the atheist would take away our God from us. John 20 verse 13 They have taken away my Lord. So we may say of atheists, they would take away our God from us, in whom all our hope and comfort is laid up. Psalm 14 verse 1 The fool have said in his heart, There is no God. He does not speak it with his tongue, but says it in his heart. He wishes it. Sure, none can be speculative atheist. The devils believe and tremble. James 2 verse 19 I've read of one Arthur, a professed atheist, who when he came to die cried out, he was damned. Though there are few found to say there is no God, yet many deny him in their practices. Titus 1 16 In works they deny him. Cicero said of Epicurus, in his words, he both denies the existence of the gods and permits them to remain. The world is full of practical atheism. Most people live as if they did not believe there was a god. Does they lie, defraud, be unclean if they believe there were a god who would call them to account? If an Indian who never heard of God should come among us and have no other means to convince him of a deity but the lives of men in our age, surely he would question whether there were a God. I would not venture to assert that gods exist. Seeing there is a God, he will deal righteously and give just rewards to men. Things seem to be carried in the world very unequally. The wicked flourish. Psalm 73 verse 3. They who tempt God are delivered. Malachi 3.15 The ripe cluster of grapes are squeezed into their cup. And in the meanwhile, the godly who wept for sin and served God are afflicted. Psalm 102 verse 9. I've eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping. 
evil men enjoy all the good, and good men endure all the evil. But saying there is a God, he will deal righteously with men. Genesis 18 verse 25 Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Offenders must come to punishment. The sinner's death day and doomsday is coming. Psalm 37 verse 13 The Lord saith that his day is coming. While there is a hell, the wicked shall be scourged enough. And while there is eternity, they shall lie there long enough. And God will abundantly compensate the faithful service of his people. They shall have their white robes and crowns. Psalm 58 verse 11 Verily, there is a reward for the righteous. Verily, he is a God that judgeth in the earth. Because God is God, he will give glorious rewards to his people. Seeing there is a God, woe to all such as have this God against them. He lives forever to be avenged upon them. Ezekiel 22 verse 14 Can thine heart endure, or can thine hands be strong in the days that I shall deal with thee? Such as pollute God's Sabbath, oppose his saints, trampling these jewels in the dust. Such as live in contradiction to God's word, engage the infinite majesty of heaven against them. And how dismal will that case be? Deuteronomy 32 verse 41 If I wet my glittering sword and mine hand take hold of judgment, I will render vengeance to mine enemies. I will make mine arrows drunk with blood. If it be so terrible to hear the lion roar, what must it be when he begins to tear his prey? Psalm 50 verse 22 Consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces. Oh, that men would think of this, who go on in sin. Shall we engage the great God against us? God strikes slow, but heavy. Job 40 verse 9 Hast thou an arm like God? Canst thou strike such a blow? God is the best friend, but the worst enemy. If he can look men into their grave, how far can he throw them? Who knows the power of his wrath? Psalm 90 verse 11 What fools are they, who for a drop of pleasure drink a sea of wrath? Paracelsus speaks of a frenzy some have, which will make them die dancing. So sinners go dancing to hell. Seeing there is a God, let us firmly believe this great article of our creed. What religion can there be in men if they do not believe a deity? He that cometh to God must believe that he is. To worship God and pray to him and not believe there is a God is to put a high scorn and contempt upon him. Believe that God is the only true God, such a God as he has revealed himself in his word, a lover of righteousness and hater of wickedness. Psalm 45 verse 7 The real belief of a deity gives life to all religious worship. The more we believe the truth and infiniteness of God, the more holy and angelic we are in our lives. Whether we are alone or in company, God sees us. He is the heart searcher. The belief of this word make us live always under God's eye. Psalm 16 verse 8 I have set the Lord always before me. The belief of a deity would be a bridle to sin and a spur to duty. It would add wings to prayer 
and oil to the lamp of our devotion. The belief of a deity will cause dependence upon God in all straits and exigencies. Genesis 17 verse 1 I am God all-sufficient. A God that can supply all your wants, scatter all your fears, resolve all your doubts, conquer all your temptations. The arm of God's power can never be shrunk. He can create mercy for us and therefore can help and not be beholden to the creature. Did we believe there is a God, we should so depend on His providence as not to use any indirect means. We should not run ourselves into sin to rid ourselves out of trouble. 2 Kings 1 verse 3 Is it not because there is not a God in Israel that ye go to inquire of Baal Zebub, the God of Akron? When men run to sinful shifts, is it not because they do not believe there is a God or that He is all-sufficient? Seeing there is a God, let us labour to get an interest in Him. Psalm 48 verse 14 This God is our God. Since the fall, we have lost likeness to God and communion with God. Let us labour to recover this lost interest and pronounce this shibboleth, My God. Psalm 43 verse 5 It is little comfort to know there is a God, unless He be ours. God offers Himself to be our God. Jeremiah 31 verse 33 I will be their God. And faith catches hold of the offer. It appropriates God and makes all that is in Him over to us to be ours. His wisdom to be ours, to teach us. His holiness, ours, to sanctify us. His Spirit, ours, to comfort us. His mercy, ours, to save us. To be able to say, God is mine, is more than to have all mines of gold and silver. Seeing there is a God, let us serve and worship Him as God. It was an indictment brought against some in Romans 1.21. They glorified Him not as God. Let us pray to Him as to God. Pray with fervency. James 5.16 An effectual fervent prayer availeth much. This is both the fire and the incense. Without fervency, it is no prayer. Let us love Him as God. Deuteronomy 6 verse 5 Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. To love Him with all the heart is to give Him precedence in our love. To let Him have the cream of our affections. To love Him not only appreciatively, but intensively, as much as we can. As the sunbeams united in a burning glass burn the hotter, so all our affections should be united, that our love to God may be more ardent. Let us obey Him as God. All creatures obey Him. The stars fight His battles. The wind and sea obey Him. Mark 4 verse 41 Much more should men, whom God has endured with a principle of reason. He is God and has a sovereignty over us. Therefore, as we received life from Him, so we must receive a law from Him and submit to His will in all things. This is to kiss Him with a kiss of loyalty and it is to glorify Him as God. Thank you for listening to the Blessed Hope Podcast. 
a media outreach by Blessed Hope Bible Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit our website at www.blessedhope.sg. Our sermons are available at www.sermonaudio.com/blessedhope. The Lord bless you and keep you.